Welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, drafting and crafting bipolar consciousness since 2016 by philosophizing, relanguaging, and harvesting mania's special messages, meaning visions, extraordinary experiences, ideas, insights, superpowers, possibilities, synchronicity, and parallel worlds. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information discussed on the show is not medical advice. Now, let's get started with this episode. So the first random bit I want to talk about today is about experiential learning and how altered states of consciousness such as mania are sort of like experiential learning experiences. So usually we try to learn by maybe reading or watching YouTube, but it's another thing to have an energy take us over that causes us to behave in different ways that actually gets learning happening in our psychosomatic organism, in our physiology, in our neuroplasticity. So if I wanted to learn tennis and I practiced a lot of hours, that would be embedded in my muscle memory as well as in my brain and neuroplastic changes in my brain. Certain areas of my brain would be more connected or larger or light up when I'm in that action of tennis. So in that way, I feel like the universe is trying to get us to be some kind of player. It's trying to get us to act and be in a different way. And I talked before about how Buckminster Fuller had a quote relating to the spontaneous social behaviors needed in order to save humanity and save the planet. And I feel this energy is an energy that is creating some of those spontaneous social behaviors to save the planet. And after a person has an experience like this, at least in my experience, it changed me a lot. And I also had the thought that mania is sort of like disorganized kindness or or disorganized altruism. A person is just popping around trying to be kind everywhere and being kind beyond one's bounds. So for example, I might in that state think that I should give all my money away because I feel like I have everything I need so I should give all my money to charity. And while that's really wonderful and kind of me, it is not going to help me function in a daily basis because I'll have no money to function. So society's not structured the way that a person in mania feels it is. It feels like society runs on kindness and giving and sharing and love. And that actually might be the underlying fabric of reality and how reality works naturally. That's how we're naturally programmed from birth um, is to connect and to be kind to each other and to care just like the mother is programmed to care for her infant and the infant is programmed to respond. So I feel like in that state, that altered state called mania or maybe magic or mystery, a person feels like they understand those underlying fundamental laws of reality 
and they are the laws of reality but they're written over by our clever human programs and so I also thought of this idea of how mania is kind of like it's kindness and wonderful and and lovely but at a certain point it becomes altruistic anxiety it feels like one has so much to give and doesn't know how to give it and so it's almost like we implode because we have we just don't know how to be in that state all the time and perhaps because that state isn't the way society's designed it's a state we feel like we get to that state and it's like an infinite state and it's a timeless state so it feels like that's how it always is and that's how it always has been and that's just the way the world works but once reconnected to consensus reality we realize well that's not the way it works but that state exists in a place beyond time it's always everywhere ever present omnipotent it's something to do with the quantum hologram and it's like the underlying fabric but since that not isn't how it is all the time we feel it just when we're in that state which feels like a timeless state but I still feel that that state wants to unfold and inform the material linear everyday reality so there's something to be harvested from that state and usually a person in that state it's too much energy there's way too much energy in that state and and I've talked in another video how it's like a person goes around dissipating all the energy until they crash and they usually crash lower than the baseline but it's because it's almost like it it is that painful to come back to daily reality from that timeless state and I'm not saying that's true this is just these are just some ideas and thoughts I had that I wanted to share nothing is absolutely true these are just words to point to that experience that I had and maybe other people have had too but it's it's not fact there's no facts in that state and and I've heard the term positive social contagion and I feel like a person in that state is a bit of a positive social contagion in that they're being positive and having it mirrored back to them and I also feel like a person that has fallen flat on their face after a state like that might be able to create themselves as a positive social contagion in daily life is able to be the physical time-space version of that timeless version of oneself or of the ultimate a person experienced and bring that into consensus reality and it's really and another idea that I've talked about before is oxytocin experiences so oxytocin is more about bonding and social relationships and giving and sharing and those things that you can't really measure like you can't really measure friendship you can't really measure what a hug does 
you can't measure the feeling of a bond between a mother and the child. Yet these are things that are just so innately programmed into us. It's like the immeasurable is programmed right into us. And we're so focused on measuring things. And we lose sight of the fact that the immeasurable is already programmed into our neurology. And it's those things that that you can't actually measure that matter. So I really see mania as a state of play, as an invitation to relearn how to play, or not even relearn because we already know it's forget those things that are put on top of our being that prevents us from playing as adults. We forget how to play. We knew how to play as children. We didn't need to be shown how. And then all the society structures came on us and we forgot how to play. I think another thing this energy is inviting that we need to just play without motive, without this is the reason you should play. Just being playful is very important. And, and being playful with each other. Being playful implies responding to social cues that are not necessarily written rules anywhere. Yet we have these other written rules that override our natural ways of being as human beings. And then we have to remember the code of conduct. And we think we need that code of conduct in order to conduct ourselves. Well, we didn't really need that. It was imposed upon us. And I think this is especially important to practice with strangers. In those other states of consciousness, in mania, strangers are very exciting. And there's a lot of healing power in strangers because it's two people meet and there's no preconceived notions besides maybe some like prejudgments, but there's no knowledge of the person from previous interaction. So you can show up how you want to show up and you can really choose and you can really show that person that you're meeting with that this really is a friendly universe. That was Einstein's big question or one of his questions was, is this a friendly universe? And I also wonder, is this a playful universe? So is the universe not just friendly, but also playful? So I feel like mania is a positive social contagion. It's trying to show us how to be in some ways, trying to get us to unlearn certain ways. You know, a person that has that experience feels wonderful. And then when a person is given a diagnosis and medicate, medicated, they're basically told, that's not an acceptable way to be. And I still feel that there's a lot of good behaviors and traits that come through a person in that state. There's also some maybe not so great ones, but it's almost like a person is restored to childlike innocence, but they're an adult, so they could do some harm but a person really does forget the rules of society and, and does have to learn some of them again, but it can be done in a gentle way. And I still feel a person can be invited to embody some of those traits they experience themselves to be instead of just 
going back to the person they were um, to make other people feel comfortable that oh this person is in recovery because now they're just how they were before how I remember them well some of those traits are for you and some of those traits are for the world the world needs some of these traits the world needs some of this altruistic anxiety one of the things I dislike the most about having a crisis is that I need to go back to egocentricity. I have to worry about my own health. I have to worry about making sure I get through it. But other than that, like once I get back to myself to a certain extent, I go back to I feel is more of a world-centric outlook. When I think about stuff, it's more about the world. And that's how it was in Mania too. It sort of sparked my world-centric nature. And I think that's really important. And that's something that I wouldn't want to give up. So it really feels like some of these extreme states of consciousness, such as Mania, ignite a sort of inner alchemy so there's different biochemistry going in, on in the body and different behavior happening which creates different neuroplastic changes that change a person to some extent. And I think there's a lot of changes that are, are towards something meaningful. So it's like an inner alchemy. It's, it's an inner process. It's a transformation. It's a renewal, as some people have called it. And to me, it's almost like, I think I remember reading about in neurobiology, there's like a pruning of the brain at some points in development. So some of the unnecessary connections get pruned off. Well, to me, some of this could be a pruning and it could be a pruning off of buying so much into society structures like a person that goes through this kind of crisis a lot of times has a hard time integrating back into society and to me maybe some of those bits of the brain were pruned off and maybe they need to be maybe we would need less people buying into this materialism and this competition and this progress and this economic growth without thinking about gross national happiness or happiness of people and just equating progress with with happiness but if we don't question the progress and progress at what cost? We're not weighing the cost of the progress. So if it's progress and all the forests are gone, that's not progress at all. We won't have any air to breathe. So um, sort of this mindless progress. And um, so to me, the fact that there's more and more people being disabled from society, I don't think these people are disabled. Like I don't think I'm disabled. I think I'm enabled in certain ways and I'm disabled from really 
buying into society as it's structured and perhaps that's why I don't fit in but maybe I'm not supposed to want to desire to fit back in um, because maybe me not fitting into society is actually part of what's going to change society sort of an unrelated thought I was thinking about words and how in a different state of consciousness once I was playing with words and seeing different meanings in words and creating new words and deriving words and making words that already exist into equations of physics and then being amused at how it relates and it's almost like in that state thoughts and words get out of control and are scrambled and maybe they get scrambled so when a person comes out on the other side um, they have a new language I feel like some of that state is trying to create a new language a language of oneness or it's trying to give us the language of the interior of the human being which is shared by everyone so it's everyone's interior language it's sort of the innate language that has been programmed over by all these words that um, exist in society and words really program us I actually feel like words themselves are the root of the problem and I'll talk a little bit more about that later well more related to that I feel like it might be true that the prefrontal cortex contains a lot of our language and higher so-called higher functions of thoughts, words, and language. And the prefrontal cortex is the thing that gets disabled to some extent or scrambled. And I think it could be because it's evolved to a point where our words are really beginning to use us. So we don't really use words now as much as they use us. And language is useful for communication, but when we, when we start to put more importance to the words than to the actual things that the words are pointing to, then we have a problem because if there's a conflict, it's just a conflict over words and then we're willing to do away or harm an actual something over a word which is just meant to point to some things and we're using words and rationality which is words to justify destroying life which is something beyond words it's something more than words our life created words but now we're using words to destroy life and um, that's a big problem and I've talked about before how I actually feel like the children being born and then developing or being born with or however it works autism it's because we've re reached a certain critical mass on the earth where we can no longer have this many human beings using words to destroy life so these children are being born 
there'll be a whole generation of a very large population of people that have a different outlook on life because they just don't have the same language so they you know if you try to explain to somebody why they should go to war I don't know if they would do it like or maybe they would be more progr programmable I don't know it's gonna be hard to say but um, I actually I had this sense about something related to that but I can't remember it right now even the stories and even the stories and ideas of psychiatry are, are words it's a word to describe a whole entire living process and then with that word which is like a meme we're infected with the stigma and the meaning that that entails and I don't know if that's helpful I actually came across a website which is pointofreturn.org and they help people get off medications it seems like a very good organization I just thought I would mention that so I've talked before about embodying one's mania and I realized that it's sort of a process afterwards of harvesting it harvesting the traits and then seeing the possibilities and then practicing and then embodying so harvesting practicing embodying and by practicing it doesn't mean just going through the motions but maybe finding activities where a person is naturally utilizing that trait or perhaps taking some some kind of course to um, create that trait or seeing the way one was if one's not able to be that now what can one do to move towards being that way say for example I wanted to take Toastmasters to improve my self-confidence and my speaking because I realized that when I was in that state it came naturally but when I'm not in that state it's not there but I can still work towards practicing it and embodying it and I've talked about how to if I've sort of become that version of me that I was in mania in my daily life then perhaps I no longer need the mania to inform me because I've got the message about the type of messenger I'm supposed to be so it's not just about getting the message to say the message it's also how do I need to be in order to convey that message specifically what kind of messenger do I need to be? What kind of communicator? What am I here to say? What am I here to do? We're all wondering those sorts of things. I really feel that that state gives a person a glimpse of who they can be and who they are underneath that programming. It's almost like the adult child version of oneself. So if I was to imagine that I was a kid and then I grew up 
and I never got all this societal programming from school, from parents, from whatever. It's almost like the innocent, unscathed trajectory of one's childhood to adulthood. And that's what the manic state in a way is. So it's, I feel it's like a natural state, but it's not natural in this society to be that full of life, vitality and energy. And it's very foreign. So it feels really energetic. Whereas if it wasn't so foreign, maybe it would just feel like normal. So in daily life, if I'm experiencing mild depression, no energy, lethargic, is that the normal state of how a human is supposed to be? Yet so many of us, that's how we operate. So what I'm saying is a person in mania might not seem really that abnormal and overly happy and energetic that might be the normal state of humanity but since everyone else is kind of dulled out a person in mania seems abnormal because everyone else is actually abnormal in that they're not experiencing the vitality and the joy of being a human being and if everyone was in that joy nobody would have to be in extreme joy So yes, harvest your manic traits, practice them, and embody them. And hopefully that happens naturally in daily life anyway. But it's probably not going to happen sitting at home watching TV, which so many of us have been told to do. And we haven't been told that as in go home and watch TV, but by saying you're abnormal, you're ill, you're not going to do very much, or even to say, you know, you will recover somewhat. Um, that's basically what they're sentencing us to a life of. I remember once in an altered state of consciousness, which was scary, I saw on my computer screen it said, language is a virus. And now, if you think about how so many of us have language going on all the time in our heads, we're sort of like infected by viruses. And some of those thoughts and words and different things are good and some are bad. And then if we have a good thought, we like, oh, I like that, so I want another good thought. If we have a bad thought, we say, oh, I don't like that. So it's just all we are is this judge going on all day of judging our thoughts which aren't even ours, they're just happening. We just pick them up from somewhere. And so when this whole scramble thing happens in different states of consciousness, it's almost like antivirus software. This energy comes in and takes over a person. And if you could think for a second that language is kind of like a virus that's infected us, we can't turn it off. It's using us then this antivirus comes in and the language in our brains is scrambled and we don't know what thoughts are from where and when and how some are from 
past, future, me, somebody else, and we just don't even know who we are anymore. Well, it's almost like the antivirus software, and it's chaotic. But at the same time, if we didn't have that, we could easily be turned into programmed robots at some point. It almost feels like it ensures that we can't get too programmed by words. And even if it risks doing major harm to some of us, it also, in a way, saves us because it's a source of other thoughts, of thoughts and ideas from somewhere other than our own circular programmed groove that we pick up as a program and it keeps us behaving according to some kind of societal norm which is just a very narrow band of experience and behavior and then that's okay but so many of us in that state that's called normal are so close and ready to just snap because we can barely keep it together and that's just a, a person that doesn't even have this energy come in and take over so when somebody has this energy come in and take over all that circular thought that keeps us going in our daily circular habit of routine is broken up. And maybe that's actually what is kind of needed because we're all living this routine and habit in society that we think is freedom. But it's kind of just like a decorated prison cell. And we just keep doing it. We don't really think that we can do any differently. You know, we think, oh, add a few positive thoughts and life will be better and we can just keep doing the same old shitty thing. Well, when something like an altered state comes in, that energy, we don't have a choice but to change and do things differently and experiment and play and be chaotic and be disorganized. And I'm not saying that's wonderful. It's not. I'm just talking about it that it could be from a different level instead of looking at it as like a personal crisis or illness, I think there is an overarching significance to it that has probably been talked about in lots of different places. I just haven't really seen it myself. But I'm just having conversation as if I would to a friend and uh, talking about it because it's very, it's very interesting. I see the evolutionary significance of it, not just from the whole spiritual emergency or emergence paradigm where where that sounds kind of wonderful, like we're becoming spiritual beings, but I also feel like it's evolutionary in protecting us from our own self-destruction, even though these states seem like self-destruction as in someone's destroying themselves bad but it's destroying the ego it's destroying the ego structure which um, has become largely unhealthy I feel like um, psychosis mania oh I haven't used that word much in this but um, it's it ensures complexity it ensures complexity of humans of humanity and we're moving towards being more and more complex perhaps because now 
there's certain societies that are affluent enough to be able to consider these things like for example like changing one's gender i think that's an example of complexity we're not all meant to be the same you know man woman grow up have children maybe that was like the original story that we still all buy into and maybe that was actually true when that was written that was absolutely true but evolution or creation moves towards complexity and if you think about more and more people whether there's more percentage of people who are of different sexualities or if more people are just being um, being more comfortable to come out with theirs I feel like right now the world could use 90% of men being gay first of all they're not going to rape women which is a huge travesty and not as many of them are going to want to procreate and have children and there's way too many people on the planet so I think gay men are actually a godsend personally and even women that get together maybe not as many of them will have children the world needs less children and so more and more people that are of that orientation to not have children are actually good in that way so what I'm saying is to me it's somewhat evolutionary it could be also to protect women um, because there's just so many horrific things um, and also to have less population on the planet now that's just who knows if that's true right like how are you ever going to prove that you can't prove that and I'm not saying it's true I'm just saying that instead of hating complexity see that it's necessary and it's it only makes sense like if we were all the same every single person like every man was the same and every woman was the same like what would that be and then you know if you have people that are a little bit different and a little bit different where do you draw the line that oh okay now it's too different and that's not okay that doesn't exist it's just dumb so I actually feel like those altered states of consciousness are the power of creation because a lot of creative ideas come through those states and a person will have thoughts that they feel they did not author and I'm not talking about the scary ones, I'm talking about people having insight and innovation and creativity and um, different inspiration. And I feel like that's actually a source of some of the new ideas and things that we need in order to help the world. Because the circular thoughts that every single person on this planet practically thinks on a daily basis are not going to do the trick. Most people are thinking about their next meal or when they're going to do their laundry. Those aren't world-changing ideas. So if somebody goes into an altered state where all of a sudden they're connected to inspiration, 
that really should be valued. And if a person is in that powerful state and they're so inspired that they can barely function and they're acting weird, that's just all the more sign that they're authentically in that state. Keep them safe, protect them, allow them to harvest their stuff that it's not even for them, it's for the world. And then and then help them to, to, to heal after basically being struck by lightning in a way. Um, maybe not one big bolt, but it's just such a flow of energy that it's important to value that and and it makes sense that a person in that state needs the help of others needs care needs love needs attention needs understanding for that state to actually be utilized properly because if you think about it if a person could go into that state have all that wonderful insight and then just come out of it like nothing happened. They could use that for wrong purposes or personal profit, personal gain. Now, if a person goes into that state and then basically it almost destroys them, they have to have some pretty amazing help and support from other people and be connected to others and have others help them in order to bring whatever it was they discovered into reality because that would be the protective mechanism against it being used wrongly by just one individual for personal gain or it just shows the power of that state that it's almost like whatever it was that person was connected to in that other state they're trying to bring it into reality and if they don't get love and care and acceptance and understanding it's not going to be brought into reality and it's almost like the consciousness of humanity needs to be at a certain level for a certain number of people to gather around a person in that state and really fully support them to bring that gift through and when that happens, maybe that thing will be created for the benefit and the good of all. Or I've talked about before how maybe numerous of us have had certain visions and thoughts and experiences and you know, we might have schematics and diagrams on our wall and this is utopia. Well, if we don't talk to each other and collaborate, we're not gonna be able to create it because it's just going to be a picture on the wall and we could look at it and have warm and fuzzy feelings and thoughts and remember that pleasurable state we were in or think about how wonderful we and genius we are that we were able to to draw this schematic and we understand it and we see how it works but the schematic and utopia imply everyone else so there's got to be a certain number of people that Oh, you saw that too? I saw that. You saw that? Oh, wait. So many of us saw that. So now we can co-create and collaborate because it's for the world. It's not just for me. Like, I went to Utopia. I came back. Now I'm here with everyone else. I don't want to go back to Utopia by myself. That's why I came back here. Right? But we forget that after being 
medicalized and you know told what's wrong and and medicated we forget we went somewhere in a way it was like an inner outer thing it's a mystery it's hard to explain you can't explain it you can you can try but you know some of us don't come back some of us don't make it back to this reality where do they go we don't know they might actually be in utopia and they went there by themselves and maybe there's some people up there but or wherever it is but um, if we're still here it can be brought to fruition in this reality potentially what else is there to do uh, sit here and watch movies or talk about creating a better world for everybody and like, I don't know how to do that I kind of went to that better world and I, I saw it but it's very difficult to stay there if other people don't see it too so I was thinking about how the power of creation is also the power of destruction so the energy of those altered states comes in and almost it scrambles the words it scrambles the thoughts it scrambles one's ego it sort of destroys it and in destroying that it's actually creating something else so usually our ego is destroyed when our body dies but it can also be destroyed by this energy at certain times uninvited by the universe and it's a universal force you know that's the thing the universe could do this to anyone at any time nobody's immune and it just goes to show the power of that energy and right now it happens to a certain percentage of people who's to say that it won't increase in the number and percentage so these other ways of being that are really important in order to you know make the world better are actually of interest to everybody and by destroying the ego it tries to bring about world centricity because usually we have egocentricity happening so world centricity I was also thinking about how words are sounds sounds are vibrations and everything is made of energy vibration so if we even have a word in our head that's a vibration and it's changing the fabric of reality so this is how our words actually really do affect reality and any thought goes out there and it creates some kind of effect whether it's a thought or a word or a mean look or a gesture it does something and and we think we're able to hurt others but we only really hurt ourselves and even the sounds that are vibrations the words in our heads they're vibrating our brain cells and that vibration changes how we see so if you think well if we're thinking bad words in our head or bad thoughts or whatever 
it's actually changing our brain so that is painting over the reality we see so we're seeing things negatively if we're being negative in our head and we already kind of know that but when you really think about it in terms of vibration you can really sense like that's how it's it's interfering those negative vibrations of the words in one's brain are interfering with the actual vibrations out there in reality and they're actually interacting with the actual um, vibrations in reality you think that you know that's not going to really change very much well yeah throwing a pebble in the ocean will just have a tiny ripple effect and that's kind of maybe like one thought but if every single person is thinking 50,000 thoughts a day times billions of people and they're mostly negative that is affecting reality that's words that's sound in our minds that's vibration then we wonder why some people hear terrible negative thoughts of other people's voices in their heads. It's just it's just the collective manifestation. Like some people are going to pick up on that. And some people are going to have that pattern happen where they're having sounds and words of other people, supposedly, in their own head. And along with that is, um, I feel like, we have an inner voice, like an inner guiding voice, or that's nothing new. But if we're always thinking thoughts in our brains repeatedly, we can't hear or sense that inner voice. And I feel like that is sort of the voice or the energy that comes through when people go into altered states of consciousness and say mania. And they're having all these insights and new thoughts and new ideas and are super creative because that's the energy of creation and we are creators and we turn into habitual creatures because we have these repetitive thoughts going on in our on our heads but if that was to subside or a different energy comes in, then there's a different sound. There's a different source for those sounds. It's an energy which turns into sound in our heads so we can hear the message or whatever that creativity, that creation is trying to say. So there's like the words of the energy of creation or there's the words of the habit of the ego. And we're so programmed by the ego words that we're not connected to that inner source of inspiration and ideas it's like eureka it's like serendipity and maybe we have that every once in a blue moon but we can have that all the time in terms of learning and seeing things anew we can actually learn by just walking around in the reality and being very attentive. But we're not attentive because we're paying attention to our own ego thoughts. So we're not learning. So then we need to go to books to learn and then we read and then we try to like remember stuff. But really if we're just intensely in the moment and present, our perception will show us what we need each moment. Um, so I may have given the examples if I'm about to leave the house and I realize 
I don't have I realize that I need my keys well that doesn't that just comes out of the blue it's almost like something else calculates that oh you don't have your keys and so it pops in my head but I'm not actually I wasn't thinking about my keys and that's just a small example so these sounds these inner words these vibrations these negative thoughts they're vibrating our brain cells they're changing our whole biochemistry these words these sounds in our brain are literally killing us and each other because they have an effect on our body mind organism they have an effect on the qu the quantum field of reality on the morphogenetic field so it feels like quite a jolt when this energy comes in and all of a sudden we have this creativity and we have this wonder and we have this we have this awe yet we were born with that and then it gets painted over and then when it comes back it feels like such a jolt and it feels so foreign when that's probably actually our natural state I don't think it's our natural state to be so dull to be so monotonous, to be so habitual, to just do the same old thing every day and then watch so much TV. So if you think of these altered states of consciousness as some kind of antivirus software coming in to sort of scramble up the ego and scramble up society to some extent and then almost a test to see how people will respond if they'll respond compassionately to this to see that it's a transformation or if they'll respond how they respond but basically giving a person that has this antivirus thing happen within them medication is like turning off a computer in order to solve a virus really we need to do something about the words the words are the virus and we know that to some extent and that's why there's a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy for thoughts oh you change the thoughts a bit you change the behavior well what about questioning the words themselves how many of them do we really need do we need thoughts happening in our head all the time we're only limited by our thoughts which are words so much of what we do to self-medicate is to calm the words whether it's eating or doing something like bungee jumping or trying to get in the flow state we're limited by words and by our thoughts thank you for listening to bipolar inquiry if you're enjoying the show please feel free to rate subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts remember use your voice craft your consciousness embody your potential enter a quantum paradigm the Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information in this show is not medical advice. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.